Hey folks, this is Douglas Tate from Freddy vs. Jason and Halloween Kills, also the Jack Link Sasquatch, and you are listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. <laughs> everyone and welcome back to the horror squad podcast this is episode number 302 where tonight we are going to be reviewing 1954's creature from the black lagoon happy halloween eve gentlemen of course everyone else will hear this after halloween but i would like to know Stephen todd how was your hollows eve weekend hello everybody uh let's see didn't do a lot of horror stuff watch this Watched the new Five Nights at Freddy's movie, which I'll discuss in let's in what's watched. And then, uh, yeah, we went to semifinals for state, and we lost. Or no, quarterfinals for state for football, and we lost. So it is what it is. Eight to six. We missed our two-point conversion. They made theirs, so that's how it crumbles sometimes. But well, that's it for me. You guys? I was prepping for Halloween. You know, I try to put out a lot of stuff outside and just get ready for all the neighborhood kids. But the snowy motherfucker came and reared its ugly head this morning. We got a snow dump. And now there's snow all over my yard, and I don't know if I want to put out my stuff because a lot of it is, uh, like, really good stuff. So I don't know what I'm going to do right now. I might just keep it to in the inflatables that I have out there now and just answer the door. I'm not sure. TBD. We'll see how it goes tomorrow. But uh, looking forward to it, as always. You know, the problem is with Halloween, though, as, like, horror fans and people who do events and all sorts of stuff, is I'm so fried by the time we actually get to the 31st that I'm, like, almost like, oh, I don't even feel like I left your door. I just want to eat candy and watch movies, you know? But, uh, yeah, I'm still going to do it because you got to represent for the kids, and I'll do that in the first. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I had a super busy weekend, so shout out to Silvermoon Collectibles. We had our, well, we sponsored an event with Douglas Tate, of course, who played Jason at the end scene of Freddy vs. Jason, and he also was the stunt double in Halloween Kills. Uh, super nice guy. He also played Sasquatch, Jack Link's beef jerky commercials, which I think I knew that, but then I forgot, and then I saw it on his table. I was like, oh, shit, cool. Super, super nice guy. Great event. Uh, shout out to our friends at PVD Horror. They filled in for us for the Q&A for this one because I had a very busy weekend because Sam actually did her very first vending fair. Uh, she vended the Salem Night Fair, which is done by Black Veil Tattoo, uh, Matt and Ryan Murray. Awesome, awesome guys. They do my tattoos, and they put on just absolutely amazing night fair two weekends in October if you are ever in Salem. I can't recommend this event enough. Uh, they do it at old Pioneer Salem Pioneer Village, so it looks like Salem in the 1630s. And just the vibe of the whole place is awesome. They get the witch soundtrack, like, blasting. And they got all these sort of creepy characters walking around. Very, like, sort of, I wouldn't call them, like, haunt-style characters. It's very, like, artsy, creepy. Very, very cool. Um, and then there's, like, 50 or 60 sort of spooky vendors you can explore. They have a beer garden. They have, like, spooky-themed games and stuff. The play, it is awesome. And Sam, yeah, so Sam was able to vend it. I helped her out all weekend. We had so much fun. A lot of met a lot of great people from all over the country. And we met a lot of people from Canada, Steve. There were a lot of your fellow Canadians there as well, which was cool. So uh, yeah, it was just an awesome event. Sam did really well. She met a lot of uh, people who support 
uh, her Halloween happy stuff. So yeah, great, great time. Great Hallows Eve weekend. Tomorrow, Halloween day, we are going to embrace the chaos of Salem. I won't be doing my Art the Clown busk, but I am going to go in costume as Art the Clown and just kind of walk around and enjoy the atmosphere of Halloween. I'll give a full review on that of Halloween in Salem next week. And then November 1st, I'll give another review. We're going to go see Terrifier 2 in theaters. Sam has never seen it before, so I'm excited to see her reaction to it. Awesome. I know we're going to talk about Terrifier 3 in the news, at least I think so. So how about we spill a little tea? Oh, you want the tea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't serve tea. Nope. Instead, you get a cup of Joe. And now here's Joe with the news. Alrighty, thank you so much, Chuck. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, your cup of Joe for the week. Let's start right off with Terrifier 3, since we were just talking about it. As big news, of course, dropped, uh, actually leaked out as someone from the theaters could not wait um, for their excitement. And they leaked out the special poster that everyone is going to be receiving who go and see Terrifier 2 on November 1st. That does reveal... That Terrifier 3 will be a Christmas movie. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. This movie will be set around Christmas time. The teaser poster, very cool, with Art the Clown in front of a Christmas tree wearing the face, uh, skinned face of Santa Claus around his neck. So yeah, I mean, that's really it for now. We are going to get footage of Terrifier 3, apparently, when uh, this movie releases on November 1st. I'm sure that will leak online as well. But let's hear your initial thoughts. Terrifier 3, Christmas movie. It's a sick poster. I really, really love the poster. So uh, they did a great job with that. I'm psyched about it, honestly. I think, you know, I love Christmas horror. So I think it would be a great uh, thing. And I was going to watch Terrifier 3 anyway. So I guess David Howard Thornton, you know, he got the taste last year with the Grinch. And now he's going to go full-blown with Art the Clown. Yeah, just off that poster, I'm, I'm... more psyched than I already was. Kudos to them. I'm looking forward to seeing the footage. Uh, hopefully, they said there's only in theaters the footage, but like you said, I, I think someone will film it and leak it, and then they'll have to release it because it's either you watch it, you know, on someone's phone, or they actually just release a nice version of it. Yeah, man, that poster looks pretty damn cool. Like I'm excited, and I think I'll try to get to the theater and get me a copy of one because that'd be pretty cool on the wall. But um, yeah, you know what? We've we've We've, we said what we liked and disliked about the movie, so we'll see what happens with part three. All righty. And to keep in Terrifier sort of news, Damien Leone, of course, who is promoting, of course, Terrifier 2 in theaters, recently we discussed what is next for him? What is he going to do after Terrifier? Well, perhaps a little hint, he was recently, uh, recently did an interview and was quoted as saying that he would love to take a stab at the Friday the 13th franchise specifically saying he would like to bring it back to the 80s set jason Voorhees back in the 80s so i'd love to hear from you guys damien leone taking over for the friday 13th franchise good idea bad idea a uh, great idea like let's get jason with a bunch of gore let's make that runtime let's let's rein the runtime in a little bit because with jason i want just fast kills and, and nudity that's all i really need right but let's make sure we get a good jason too i'm sorry david howard thornton you're not gonna play jason because too skinny too small no offense but we need a big hulking dude to, to play it yes we need douglas tate to play him i think uh it's his turn to play jason in a full movie i think he, he'd be great and yeah i'm totally down for damian leone to do 
a take on Friday the 13th. I think he would bring really the gore and the violence back that the slasher film all really need to get a little bit more of. I feel that a lot of them in the last like 20 years have been kind of tame in terms of the, the violence. So I think this would be awesome. And this would guarantee that David Gordon Green gets his damn stinking hands off all our favorite franchises. So bonus for that. Yeah, 100% agree with you guys. Obviously, he, I mean, he, the dude brings the gore, obviously, and does practical effects amazingly. So why not, right? Like, give him the reins to the Friday the 13th franchise. And uh, I'm sure the fans would be on board. I mean, the art fans are crazy. You know, they're going to come to the theaters to see it to support Damien. And I think it'd be, I think it'd be really, really cool. So, all right, next bit of news here. File this one under. Did anyone see this one coming? Because. We recently commented about Five Nights at Freddy's and was it too late? We felt that, you know, it was past its prime. Like, you know, the the franchise was pretty much kind of dead and no one thought it was going to go anywhere. Well, we couldn't have been any more wrong, gentlemen, because Five Nights at Freddy's absolutely shattered it this weekend in the box office. Although it did also release on Peacock too. So people could have literally watched it at home, but everyone flooded to the theaters to watch this Five Nights at Freddy's adaptation. Let me just say this movie. So this movie made $78 million domestically and also 130 worldwide this weekend. 78 what does that domestic? Mean? Yes. So that what does a, that mean? Killing. Yes. So what does it mean? That means it absolutely shattered a lot of box office records this week. Let me just run it down real quick. So it is the biggest Blumhouse global opening of all time, beating Halloween 2018. That made $91.8 million. It is also the biggest opening for a horror film directed by a woman, which is the third. uh, This is actually her third Blumhouse project, but the biggest opening for a horror film directed by a woman. It is also the highest grossing opening weekend for a Blumhouse film ever, also surpassing Halloween 2018. It is also the highest opening for any PG-13 horror film ever, surpassing The Mummy Returns. It is also the biggest original horror opening of 2023 and the second biggest horror opening behind The Nun 2. It is also the highest domestic domestic opening for Halloween weekend, surpassing Puss in Boots. And lastly, the biggest domestic horror movie opening weekend of the year, passing Scream 6. Now that, super impressive. Let me give you one more tidbit. It is the third largest domestic opening for any horror movie ever, behind only It and It Chapter 2. So we are obviously going to get more Five Nights at Freddy's. This is clearly going to become a franchise after the massive success. So, I mean, I am personally shocked about this. Let's hear, what do you guys think? Uh, Kids sell, man. Kids sell shit. And every kid that I know, and you know, my friends, my, my kids have a ton of friends, wanted to watch this film. I'm more shocked, though, that it made money seeing that it launched on Peacock at the same time. That's what really throws me off. I didn't think it was, I thought it was too late, but like once I heard uh, word of mouth from the kids, I'm like, all right, this should make money. But that's a fuck ton of money for a PG-13 film about games that are kind of past their prime, even though I know they're coming out with a new one recently or soon or sort of come out, something like that. But that's wild, man. Like, good for them. I, I watched it this weekend too on, on Peacock. So uh, I guess so did everyone else. 
Yeah, I'm like both really surprised, but also not surprised because I'm really surprised because I really thought it was too late as well. That that's my old man ass that said that. But then I also like think back to my 50 year old nephew and he watches these YouTubers who play Minecraft and they have 30 million followers. You know, it's uh, kids, they bring the numbers, you know, when there's stuff they love and gaming is at its peak right, really right now. So I'm not that surprised at the same time. I think the teens all want to see it. And it kind of hits all the audiences, you know, kind of the, the teen audience, the older audience, because it's a horror. It's like it's kind of the, the the smooth spot there. So good for that. It's good for horror. I so. Yeah, I have a story about the lead character in that film. Uh, so Joss Hutchinson, I think that's how you pronounce the last name. He actually grew up where I live now. And his he dated my daughter's best friend's mom. So that, and they have a picture like prom or some bullshit like that. So small world. Come back to Kentucky, Josh. Let's do some cons. Alrighty. So a little bit of Hocus Pocus 3 update for all you Hocus Pocus fans. And I know a lot of you now listen to the show, hopefully, due to our, after our Hocus Pocus event. Well, let's give you a little update. Uh, so Ann Fletcher, of course, who directed Hocus Pocus 2, is going to be back in the director chair. And also Jen D'Angelo will be coming back to write the script. Jen D'Angelo currently uh, recently sat down with Entertainment Weekly for an interview. And here is a little update on the movie. So currently, she said, they're still in the story phase, still working on it. She said, we've only scratched the surface, though, of Hannah Waddingham's Mother Witch character. So it seems like we are going to be getting a lot more Mother Witch in the third movie. She said, I'm hoping that we are able to explore every aspect of these stories and take these characters on a bunch of fun adventures. Three is still very much in the early stages. We don't really know what it is yet, but we're exploring all options she also said that bet midler sarah just parker and kathina jimmy obviously will be reprising their roles but didn't really give any other more details based on our event last week we know the fans are clamoring for max danny allison and binks to hopefully make their return in the third movie so i gotta ask you guys what would make you i guess want to return we you know we're kind of so-so on the second movie. I think we were pretty favorable on it after we first watched it, but after giving it some time, I think we cooled off on it a lot. So what do you guys want to see or what would make you excited for a third Hocus Pocus movie? Yeah, that's, that's funny. All three of us were like, yeah, it's a solid three, solid three. And then now we're like, it's a fucking movie. At least in my perspective, it's terrible. <laughs> it's not good. The sequel is just... it. I think that has a lot to do with our connection too with the first film and how amazing that is of all around, just solid movie. So part two, eh, is okay. Part three, honestly, I don't care about. Like, if if you bring back Max and all of them, I'm interested. But the new cast of characters and what are the fuck? I don't even remember what the hell you're talking about, Mother Witch. I don't know who the hell that is. So I'm like, I, I don't so know. she's sorry, she's the character in the very beginning of the movie that basically Mother Witch. Um. Oh, when they're she, little what is she? She like yeah, when they're little girl. She basically uh, is the reason they become the Sanderson sisters, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Yeah, I don't need any of that. I just, I just want the witches coming back and trying to do whatever they fucking want to do with the kids, and that's it. So, eh. I think this movie needs to do what Jurassic Park did with their last film, and that is to meld the two, Alan. like 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. The two films together. So you have the cast of Hocus Pocus 1 and the cast of Hocus Pocus 2 to defeat like the final big bad because this is probably going to be the last Hocus Pocus with the Sanderson sisters just based off you know what what i've heard and i don't think bet midler is going to do these forever so i think you can kind of bring everything in and tie, tie a nice bow around it and then afterwards if they want to make more then you can focus on kind of the new characters or maybe prequels to the sandersons or whatever but i think they just need to kind of close off the trilogy at this point all right well we'll keep you guys updated on that well we had freddy versus jason we wanted more do we want more versus movies well, what if I told you Chucky versus Megan? It is possible, folks, apparently, according to Don Mancini. Both properties, of course, are owned by NBC Universal. He was recently asked, could we see Chucky versus Ma- Megan? And he simply just said, I would say, stay tuned. So whether that means yes or no, or just a tease, we shall see. But for me, I kind of like the idea. Like, I feel like they would work well together, right? They're both ones like an AI, ones like a. I mean, if they go with you know uh, the Chucky that we recently got, that would make a lot sen- a lot more sense because they're both AI dolls. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Chucky versus Megan? Terrible idea. Fun idea. Would you want to see it? <laughs> Terrible idea, dude. What are you talking about? Like, none of us like Megan. I think I think we thought it was okay, and then. I liked Meg. I was one of the. Well, yeah, it's okay. Ones. Whatever. I did watch it twice this year, so what do I know? But um, <laughs> it just sounds, it sounds dumb, honestly. And I, I, I'm not current with the Chucky universe. What happened? I thought he took over Nika at one point, or Mika, or whatever her name is. Like, did that not happen? The, the Chucky TV series is so fucking convoluted. There's just so much going on. I'm confused at this point, honestly, of like where we are at. And you're watching it too. Right. Yeah. But man, there's just, there's way too much. And like the fact that Chucky has now overtaken like 50 different dolls, essentially like cult of Chucky, you know? So he's in like 50 different Chucky bodies. It just makes things so confusing. And then like Chucky was in Nika at one point, like possessed Nika. It's, I don't even, man, it's so fucking confusing. Like, I don't even know. I like, yeah like it's kind of the series is kind of a mess and i I will give sort of a a review of it in my what watch because the they just wrapped mid-season finale of season three so i'll kind of give my more thoughts on that after yeah so i actually like the idea of chucky versus megan but i have a problem with it and the problem is if they did do that i bet you they'd put it in the megan universe what i mean by that is it would be a pg-13 Chucky versus Megan. Whereas if we got a Bride of Chucky type, you know, universe for Chucky versus Megan, I think they could have a lot of fun with it. Like if it can go vulgar and gory and stuff like that. But I just have a feeling that they want to keep their Megan audience and would shy away from a lot of the stuff that I would want to see in a Chucky versus Megan. So ultimately, it probably wouldn't work, in my opinion. They they would definitely put a dance scene in there too. Oh, 100%, yeah, 100 100 They have to. You know, they have to make TikTok happy. So, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, Chucky's just gotten so fucking goofy at this point. It's basically, he's basically like a caricature of like what he used to be. I'm not loving it. I think just bring him back to the horror. Like, it's basically just become a total comedy at this point with gore, which the gore has been great. But yeah, you know, Chucky versus Megan. I, I think it could be a really fun idea, but if they're if it's like the current Chucky, I'm not as excited about it. 
So we shall see. All right, just a couple of quick updates on movies that are going to be coming soon. Black Phone 2 has been officially confirmed. Tentative date, of course, the actor, we'll see how long this actor strike goes on. But June 27th, 2025, we will be getting a Black Phone Part 2. What that story will entail, we shall see, because I feel like it pretty pretty much in part one. But but for those who want a Black Phone universe story, you can see one right now as one of the stories in VHS 85 takes place in that universe from the same writer and director, Scott Derrickson. So just a little tidbit there for people who who want a little taste of the Black Phone universe right now on Shudder. That's got to be pretty cool, right? That's the only thing they can do. Yeah, it's 85, so yeah. No, 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 I mean Black Phone 2. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, kind of, right? Yeah, I mean, Ethan Hawke's dead. So. Uh, yeah, unless the kid spoilers becomes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, becomes the the character. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, another update: A Quiet Place Day One, the spinoff series to the Quiet Place universe, will be arriving in theaters June twenty eighth of two thousand and twenty four. I wasn't super excited about this, but the cast is fantastic. You have Lupita Nyong'o. Joseph Quinn, Alex Wolf, and Michael Sarotsky. So a really solid cast there for A Quiet Place Day 1 coming out next year. And lastly, a update on the Poltergeist franchise. We have not seen anything Poltergeist anytime recently. The last thing I think we saw was the remake that came out, what, over 10 years ago at this point. Kind of came and went and nothing. Well... Currently, Amazon and MGM are developing the Poltergeist television series. No real details on what is going to be about. Are we going to have the Freeling family part of this? Is it going to be a whole different family involved? We shall see. But Poltergeist TV series? Excited for it? No. No. <laughs> like, I just, no. Too many TV okay. shows. Yeah, the, the TV, TV the TV thing is getting. It's, yeah, I agree. It's, it's just too much to follow, and yeah, I think movies. We need to bring it, rein it back to movies. Yeah, I'm like nine shows behind. I got like two Star Wars shows I need to watch still. Gen V. Get, <laughs> Gen V. Boys Four is coming out this no. year or well next year. Fuck man, Chucky. <laughs> I'm still behind on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we got Friday uh, coming. We got a bunch of other. There's no time. Fucking Loki show. I need to watch. Like, come on. <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins, I think. You know, you can extend these series rather than one movie. You can make seasons out of them. I think that's what it's all yeah, about, sure. obviously. So, I mean, it's the constant streaming. They all got to compete. So we'll see. Yeah, I kind of am like on the fence about it. I love the Poltergeist franchise. I I just don't know if it's worthy of a TV series, but we'll see. Maybe it will be. I can't remember the last like really great horror series though. Honestly, that's come out. I mean, yeah, you Exorcist guys probably say dope. The Exorcist. Yeah. yeah. Well, for, yeah, from uh, an established franchise. Yeah, The Exorcist. Yeah, the, the last good one. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, Halloween coming too. So Chucky <laughs> season one was good. I thought. Yeah, it was solid. Yeah, what we do in the shadows is great. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's that's true. Uh, this season was yeah. actually incredible. I don't know if you guys watched it. I keep hearing I did. that. I keep it's hearing great. that. I'm I'm still. Yeah, they, still behind. I'm, they, they went back to the they went back to the basics in this one. It's just them in the house Hanging fucking out. around, and it's so fucking good, so so good this season. Yeah. The, the last episode I watched was um, they went to like a night market and they made 
his oh, failure yeah. fight in like a fight club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was last season, I think. Yeah, it's it's it got a lot better this season, I find. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. All right, guys. I guess we will leave it off at that. That is it for your cup of Joe Har news this week. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Absolutely. And now, what watched? So, what well, Todd? How about you? You start sure. off with our what watched. All right. So what watched? I did the Five Nights of Freddy movie, which is currently in theaters right now. I didn't know it was directly by female, and that's like high regards to her because her high honors to her with getting that massive box office. Sorry, Josh Hutchinson and some other people I don't have in front of me. But basically, Josh Hutchinson plays a uh, a gentleman that's taking care of his younger sister. And he's kind of down on his luck, man. He can't hold a job for a couple, a longer than a few, a few days. He beats up this guy at the mall as a mall security guard because he thought that the character was kidnapping a child and you know it just went downhill for him so he goes to matthew lillard who's this like job finder recruiter guy which i'm happy to see matthew lillard because he's awesome and he gives this gig this overnight security at this abandoned chuck e cheese like place called freddy something five night freddy chuck e cheese we'll call it that and there's some spooky shit happening so i give it a two and a half out of five it's okay it's like but you what i don't understand though is like I'm seeing online a lot of people shitting on it, but it's a movie literally made for kids. The video game is for kids. It's not for us. This movie is made for those people that are were like eight or nine when the games came out and now are like four, 13, 14, like my daughter's age watching it. So this movie is 100% for them. So you cannot like take it like it's going to be like this never like this coolest fucking movie. It has zero gore. The jump scares are all terrible. They don't work. The comedy is a little rough, but it is extremely well acted by Josh Hutchinson. You can feel his character's um, arc. And it's got like a really cool setting and the robots look really cool. I remember when we talked about uh, Banana Splits movie and it looked like those characters were just dudes in suits and kind of took you out of it. But like these characters actually look really cool. Like the animatronic work is really awesome. The lighting and the music and the Finite Freddy's little like Chuck E. Cheese place is really cool. So I enjoyed it. Do I love it? Is it like top 10 of the year? Absolutely not. But for a kid horror movie, watch it, have fun. And it's got a really disturbing and like deep subplot that I didn't expect in a kid movie. So that caught me off guard. So between Banana Splits, Willy's Wonderland, Five Nights at Freddy's, which would you recommend, I guess, the most? I think the best overall film is Five Nights at Freddy's for sure. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right, uh, my first one tonight is a 2023 release. I don't know if either of you guys have seen this one yet, but it is uh, a PG-13 horror movie called The Boogeyman based on a Stephen My first one, too. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so 2023 based on a Stephen King short story, Steve? Is it, or is it a full novel? No, it's a short story. Short story, okay. So yeah, this one is about a family that is dealing with um, the tragic death of their mother. Basically, the father is a therapist. The two, One girl is really young. She has a fear of sort of the dark. And then a teenage daughter played by Sophie Thatcher, who a lot of you might know from Yellow Jackets fame. She plays Juliet, young Juliet Lewis's character in that show. Uh, who she's a great actress, by the way, uh, for those of you who don't know her. But basically, yeah, so the three of them um, dealing with that. Uh, one day, a crazed man comes in to the house saying he needs sort of therapy because the father is a therapist. Something sort of tragic happens there, which kind of sets off the rest of this movie. He was kind of 
screaming about a boogeyman that killed all of his children and whatnot. After sort of the tragedy happens with this character, it sets off the boogeyman being seen by the youngest daughter. And then the teenage daughter sort of goes on a hunt in the town and whatnot to just try to figure out what this boogeyman is, who it is and whatnot and i'll leave it at that overall i enjoyed this movie is it anything groundbreaking is it top 10 worthy for me no but i think it is there's just nothing like new here but i enjoyed it like i was never bored watching it i thought the cast was really good the boogeyman character they did keep him dark the majority of the movie which was a really good choice it kind of keeps the mystery there with him so i did like that choice um yeah i mean it was decent i would give it a three out of five yeah so i don't know it's this just felt so bland to me it, there's just nothing special about it. You know, it's really, you know, when you, when I see a story about the boogeyman, and I've seen a few at this point, you know, where kids see some kind of monster in their room, it, I kind of expect that they're going to do something with a twist because it's, you don't want to just go the classic tale of the monster in the closet, but this movie is legitimately just a monster in a closet for the majority of the film. And I mean, they did it fine, you know, but there's just nothing there's no spark to this. There's no, nothing special about it. And the design of the monster is cool, but it's fully CGI to the point where you're like aware that it's CGI and it just takes away a lot of the scary factor for it. Like it just, there's just nothing memorable about this film. So it, it was enjoyable. Like I'm glad I watched it, but I'll forget it, you know, like in a month. I totally remember I even watched this. So I gave it two and a half stars out of five. Alrighty, my last one is 1982's The Last Horror Film, aka Maniac Part 2, starring Joe Spinell. And I I want people to watch this movie. It is really cool. It's also very confusing, though. And it sucks that it's confusing because it's a Joe Spinell film where it's basically an unauthorized sequel to Maniac 2. So you want Joe Spinell sweating and greasing and killing people, which we get, but then we get all this other stuff thrown in, too. So basically, Joe Spinell plays a movie-obsessed dude that goes to Cannes uh, Film Festival and with the goal of getting like his famous famous or his favorite actress um, who plays uh, the lead role opposite him in Maniac in his film right we don't have a script for him he's just carrying a camera around he's running up to her when she's walking up like the stage getting her in shots she you know gets out of her car she's running up he's running up getting her in shots things like that then people around her start dying is it Joe Spinell killing people is it evil Hollywood producers killing people? Is it the girl? Is it all in everyone's head? Wait till the final scene, the very last final scene to figure it out. And you still won't because it's confusing. So the last horror film, 1982, I highly recommend it. I have it on Blu-ray, but I don't No, It's on Tubi. So for American audiences, you can get it on Tubi. The last horror film directed by David Winters. Three out of five, by the way. Uh, my second watch tonight is a recap of Chucky season three part one this season for some reason they're splitting it into two parts that's kind of the craze i guess these days i don't know why they do that but yeah so you know i don't know i'm kind of done with this series at this point like there, there are great moments of gore and that's like the best part of this series at this point some of the kills are absolutely fantastic i actually do like one part of the story that is happening this season 
I won't get too spoilery, but basically Chucky is starting to age in the doll, and we are starting to see him age in the doll, which makes for a very interesting plot point and i really like that part of it it's just like i don't know man like like i said he's basically become a caricature of himself it's just not the chucky i like personally i like the scary creepy chucky that we get in part one and part two and part three this like is into sort of seed of chucky sort of stuff going on right now where it's just like complete almost comedy with some horror elements in it. Yeah, I also am disappointed because I feel like they've used a lot more CGI with Chucky this year. There are great times where he's practical, but he's no longer 100% practical like he was in the beginning of the show. They're using a lot more CGI. I'm assuming for budgetary reasons or whatever. So yeah, will I keep watching? I guess. Because I do think the actually the the finale, the mid-season finale. You just said you're done with it. Solid. I will keep watching because Sam loves it. So I'm kind of like, you know, it's something for us to watch together. Had If Sam wasn't into it, I wouldn't continue on the train of it. I will say that. But yeah, the last episode was fun, like the Halloween episode. But I, I just don't see this show running much longer, honestly, based on what I'm seeing here. I feel like it's just getting kind of lazy at this point. You know, they rely heavily on the kills and then it just get it's just everything else just kind of bland. So it is I will say it's probably better than the first half of season two, but it's a, a definitely a step down from that great first season, and it's not as good as the second half of season two. I'm interested though to see where the aging Chucky storyline goes. So that is kind of hooking me a little bit, but yeah, I mean, overall for the se- the mid-season part of this, I'd give it like a two out of five as it stands right now. Yeah, it does not make me want to watch it at all. <laughs> uh, all right, so my last one this week, I watched over on Disney+. Plus. It might be Hulu in the U.S., I'm not 100% sure. And that is 2023's No One Will Save You. So this is a film that a lot of people have been talking about because it has very little dialogue. Like I think someone said there's eight words of dialogue or something or eight lines. There's like almost no words spoken throughout this entire movie. It's the story of the girl and she lives in a house alone after her uh, mother has passed away and she gets attacked by aliens. So there's an alien invasion and it's basically her fending off the aliens for 90 minutes. So pretty respectable runtime uh there's not too much more to say than that sometimes a movie just grabs you you know it just like puts you into its orbit and you're like fully committed to what's happening on screen and that's what happened to me in this film honestly you did not need the dialogue it's just this woman trying to outsmart the aliens trying not to get captured by them and as she tries to go navigate like the situation she gets herself in other situations that complicate things even more And it just, it's crazy. It's relentless. The aliens look really cool. I dig the the look of them and the vibe. You don't really know what's going on, but that's a good thing because you're always kind of on your toes and ready to see what's going to happen next. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And honestly, you know, I said it was an hour 30, an hour and 10 in, I was ready to put this in maybe my top three of the year so far, because that's how much I was into this movie. Unfortunately, I personally put a lot of weight into how a a story finishes, and I did not like the ending. 
Some people might like the ending, and maybe it's just my own preference. I thought it was a little too stupid for the vibe that this movie had, but I highly recommend people check this out. There isn't enough uh, alien horror out there, I think, and this, it, it gave me, like, the best vibe from things like Signs, you know, like, just the way the aliens are kind of scary, but not too scary. I don't know. It's just, I really, really enjoyed this film. So people should check it out. I gave it four stars out of five. And it's really just because of the end of the ending. Had it not been for, had it even had a good ending, not a great ending, I probably would have given it 4.5. But as it stands, four out of five. And it is in my top 10 right now. I don't think it'll stay there or hopefully. But yeah, check it out. No one will save you over on Hulu or Disney Plus, depending where you are. Uh, all right. Trivia. All right. Quarter number four is a two-way tie with Steve and Joe, both at seven apiece, myself with six. Who would like to lead off today? I'll lead us off. Shout out to Katie. Big Creature from the Black Lagoon fan. (laughs) So she did send me a Creature from the Black Lagoon question for you guys. Black Lagoon Girl on our Discord as well. For those of you who don't know. So here is the question. What were the two actors who played the Gill Man in the original creature R- R- from the Rico Black Browning. Lagoon. Yep, that's yeah, correct. Sure. Uh, I don't remember the other one. Jack <laughs> Smith. He's got a really like plain name, if I remember. Yep, that's all I know too. All right. Well, no points awarded to either of you then, because you needed both. Mm-hmm. The correct answer is Rico Browning, who did play the underwater creature, and Ben Chapman, who played the creature on land. Yeah, he had a he had a long life, Rico. Man, he just yeah. just passed this year, man. Yeah, I was able to meet him like five or six years ago. Sweet, cool dude. All right, all right. Guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide. Mm. And I will say these are all movies that are either in or spinoffs of. The Universal Monsters, since we're doing a Universal Monster episode. Okay. So it could be things that are just, you know, references to Universal Monsters, but they're all within that genre. Sex and nudity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. At a party, a man rubs a woman's breasts. Nipples are shown as they make out for a few seconds. Okay. Violence and gore. Gunfights. Sword fights. Grenades. A character is stabbed by a sword and bleeds. As one would do. As mm-hmm. one would do. <laughs> Profanity. Shit is said a few times, as well as hell, damn, bastard. Not really a lot of gratuitous language, although there are a lot of threats made. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. People drink and smoke. <laughs> like a big help there. Thank uh, you. <laughs> This is probably the giveaway and the last clue. Frightening and intense scenes. The creature can be frightening for some kids. More than one man transforms into a monster. There is some blood and ooze. I don't know. Um, Bordello of blood? Wrong. Um... I got nothing, man. It's it, it's Universal Monster related, yeah. Though, it's a, yeah, it, it's it could be a spinoff of one of the Universal Monsters. Gotcha. 
the Wolfman. Wrong. You guys want another guess, or are you you out of ideas? Uh, no, nah, I got I'm tapped. Yeah. All right. I got nothing. The answer was a spinoff of this movie, the Swamp Thing. Oh, oh. which you just talked about. Wes Craven retrospective. Correct. All right. These are all going to be from my massive book of trivia, trivia, trivia. That'll be in stores, stores, stores. I don't know when. Take them forever. (laughs) When when it's ready. All right. When it's ready. (laughs) This 2010 film features Adrian Brody as a scientist combining human and animal DNA together with horrific results. Island of Dr. Moreau. Incorrect. I don't know if he did one of those. (laughs) Van Helsing. Incorrect. I can't. I feel like I've seen this movie, but I can't remember it. I know. I know for certain you have. Um, okay. The correct answer is Splice. Oh. Ah, yes, that's a good one. I that's like that one. fun. Okay, my next one. Guess the movie based on IMDb information. Nice. All right, this movie released in two thousand and twenty. It is rated R, clocking in at two hours and four minutes. We have a cast of Oliver Jackson Cohen, Harriet Dyer, Aldous Hodge, and Storm Reed. Writers, H.G. Wells. The tagline, what you can't see can hurt you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it? What's the name of that movie? <laughs> I'm not going to remember the name of it. So is it the one with the dude in the bathroom stall? And he's like... No. Not no. that one. Is what it under, underwater? One? It is not underwater. Oh. So I'll let me give you guys another hint. Bathroom stall. I'm, I'm confused by that. The bathroom stall... Yeah, is... we watched that one. Yeah. It like was um, world and yes, and there's a glory hole. There's a glory hole. Oh, glory yeah, hole. it's uh, glorious. And there's a monster in it. Glorious. Okay, I'll give you guys one more hint, and this one will be the dead giveaway. Okay. Potentially. Director Lee Winnell. Invisible Man. Correct. Uh, good job. <laughs> All right. So Steve got the Invisible Man. One point. All right, cool. Guess the movie by the IMDb Did You Know section. All right. Trivia: The Beaver mascot logo used in the film was the Oregon State University Beavers logo, in use by the university at that time. Quotes: Harold, listen, son, you're going to be able to do a lot of things that the other guys can't. Scott, oh yeah, like chase cars and bite the mailman. Okay. Goofs. This is an error in geography. There are no palm trees in Nebraska. Okay. (laughs) Crazy credits. The end credits are shown as the crowd cheers and celebrates in slow motion. This is probably the giveaway here. So you got to be quick. Soundtrack. Big Bad Wolf, performed by Bunny and the Wolf Sisters. Fuck man. Um, <laughs> um sounds like a werewolf movie. Teen Wolf. Correct. 
Teen Wolf. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Pure guest. Starring Mr. Michael J. Fox. That's right. Yes. Very nice. All right. Let's go to everyone's favorite subject. Taglines. Mm. <laughs> right, let me find one that isn't total bullshit. Some of these are like, <laughs> I know. really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's been six months. Time for your checkup. The dentist? Correct. Yes. I was going to say Dr. Giggles. <laughs> we're in the room. Yeah, yeah, you're going to say Rob. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three letterboxed reviews. Guess the movie. Deliciously dark atmosphere, but not much else. A lot of stuff. Yes. Best bad boyfriend movie. I have one in the chamber. Okay. Last one. The long stretches of white noise are what really sell this film for me. Weirdly enough, it's an unintentional outcome since early sound films predate a lot of the music cues we've been conditioned to expect. What? <laughs> Rider Frankenstein? Incorrect. This is still from... I have one more guess from after. For these years. What's it? Is this one from Discord too? Is it yours? These are three letterbox reviews, just randomly. No, 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 but who provided it? You oh. or someone else? Oh, me. Me. Okay. Can you say that last one again, please? Sure. I'll read them all three again. All right. Del- deliciously dark atmosphere, but not much else. Best bad boyfriend movie. The long stretches of white noise are what really sell this film for me, weirdly enough. It's an unintentional outcome since early sound films predate a lot of the music cues we've been conditioned to expect. Um, is it The Lighthouse? Incorrect. Can you, can you give us one hint, and I'll even ask the question. Is it pre-1960? Um, correct. It is. So I'll go Wolfman. Incorrect. Pre-1960. Fuck, man. Is it... Hey. Phantom of the Opera. Incorrect. Right, Creature you guys 2 or more, some one shit. One more guess each if you'd like. Is it Creature from the Black Loon 2? Incorrect. I thought I was going to say crack. Like, <laughs> um, bad Boyfriend. White Noise. Yeah, the, 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 I don't know. The Bad Boyfriend this one is, is the one that's like... This is tricky. Is it uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Incorrect. The correct uh, answer is 1931's Dracula. Uh, we hit all the uh, Universal Monsters, but I guess. <laughs> well, shit the bed. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Final question. Regular question. A sequel titled Terror in Manhattan was planned but never made. According to a 1991 article in Fangoria magazine, the screenplay was rewritten for Dance Macabre, also starring the same lead actor. Fucking fuck if I know. <laughs> the f- Robert England's The Phantom of the Opera. Correct. Fucking shit. Bullshit. <laughs> Illusion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to pull out a fucking stupid ass tagline now. All right. <laughs> All right. Today, the pond. Tomorrow, the world. Ooh. Frogs. Fucking shit. No. You should go on fire tonight, man. Damn yeah, it. baby. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> Fucking Joe. <laughs> Big Night, three. Steve, two. Me, zero. Join Lee with 10. Steve, second, nine. Myself, six. Boo. 
Okay, so the update for the year. We still have multiple weeks left for quarter number four, obviously. But Joe is in the lead with 73. Steve and I, neck and neck, 68 apiece. Joe must be Ooh. stopped. Some collusion is in the works between Steve and I. <laughs> just for one episode. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. Reign of Terror will not be stopped. <laughs> All right, time. creature from the Black Lagoon. All right. Yes. All right. 1954, directed by Mr. Jack Arnold from the Amazon's Forbidden Depths, came the creature from the Black Lagoon. A scientific expedition searching for fossils along the Amazon River discover a prehistoric gill man in the legendary Black Lagoon. The explorers capture the mysterious creature, but it breaks free. The gill man returns to kidnap the lovely Kay, fiance of one of the expedition, with whom it has fallen in love. So we have a, a small expedition in the beginning here, and they literally find a semi-fossilized man-like amphibious hand sticking out of the fucking rocks. And I found it so funny how hard they were with this specimen. Like they're fucking hacking away at it. I'm like, this is, I'm not a scientist, but I know you got to like, they use their little dustings and shit to get around. This motherfucker's hitting it, breaking it, snaps it off. How do you know the whole body's not in the rock? But whatever. They take it back to this other group and like, hey, like we found this. What if we do an expedition over here? So they all get together and they decide to go down river in the Amazon and look at this area. They spent about eight days and they don't find shit. So they're like, what if we follow the river down to where it empties in this lagoon? And then this other guy's like, oh yeah, I know about this lagoon. It's it's beautiful. I'm going to tell you about it now instead of when we're over here. So they decide to go in that lagoon and they start searching for evidence of like some prehistoric beast that's still alive or whatever. Then they get attacked. And then they soon realize that there is a live specimen that has the hots for Julie Adams, who's a babe, so I don't blame him. And now we follow the scientific crew as they try to escape the lagoon because the creature traps them in there with some logs and stuff. We have some other doctors like, we're not leaving until we figure out what's going on until we get evidence. And another doctor's like, we're leaving right fucking now and stuff like that. So they're arguing back and forth. And I'll leave it at that. I've seen this movie multiple times and my opinion never changes for me. It's not my favorite uh, universal that uh, belongs to Frankenstein, which I absolutely love. But this is pretty solid. At 79 minutes, I still think it's it feels a little bit long at times because they rehash stuff that like the same argument and the same scene over and over again. But I highly respect a dude being in a fucking rubber suit swimming openly. That's cool. Like they could have hit it easily, but no, they have fucking wide shots of him uh, swimming around, which is really neat. Uh, Julie Adams is freaking hot. The doctor characters are all believable, and of course they have to have the wisecracking ship captain who's always smiling, cracking jokes. Every time he talks, he fucking ear-to-ear smiles. He's like a caricature of that time period. And I dug it, man. Yeah, I'll leave it at that, because I hate, I absolutely hate a couple things, but what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I've seen this movie quite a few times, but it's been a while since I guess I've sat down and kind of watched it with a critical eye this time. And yeah, I mean, overall, I agree with you, Todd. Like, I think it's it's a really good movie, right? It's solid, but I did find it at 80 minutes it definitely drags in parts like i definitely think it gets a bit too repetitive with all of the sort of underwater swimming scenes i mean granted you know this is 1954 you can only do so much right but i mean i think the effects on the creature are fucking top notch like he looks amazing like in this the gills moving and shit and the gills kind of moving underwater and stuff there's just some great shots too especially where julia adams and him are kind of swimming in unison her up top him below i absolutely love that scene and yeah i mean we'll get into it man but like fuck around and find out like these people like 
deserve what they got, man. And they were like, the creature was just minding his own business, swimming underwater, and they came at him. So, they, you know, they kind of deserved the fate they got in a lot of ways. I mean, I know creature did kind of fuck around with those other people uh, that weren't on the expedition. But, but you know, overall, I, I had a good time with it. I, I agree it's not my favorite Universal Monster movie, but it, it's solid. Yeah, I've only seen it. This may be my third time seeing it. I saw it in college. I saw it maybe five, six years ago. And it had been a while since I checked it out. But I did get the uh, 30 Universal Monster Packs. So I've been meaning to rewatch them all. And I'm kind of with you guys. It's not one of my favorites. But it's also not one of my least favorites. Uh, I really... The thing that always hits me when I watch this one in particular is how like well made it is especially for like 1954 uh, all those underwater shots and stuff that had to be really tough to do in 1954 with the size of the cameras and you kind of get an idea what it probably looked like because they bring a camera into the water at one point it's got this giant like submarine like piece like chess piece that they have to bring down and i'm assuming that's what it kind of probably was really like to film scenes like that so it's very impressive how it's made the costume is fantastic like what a great job they did with the the gill men and it's just i adore that uh, i like the characters i especially like the captain he made me laugh he's just so goofy and funny and it kind of brings a little bit of levity to this character to this movie where a lot of the other characters are really serious and stuff yeah i mean i i have some issues with it too i i agree with the length even though it's not really that long because they spend most of it in one area like they don't really venture out too often it kind of makes it feel a little bit longer than the runtime suggests uh, you know if we look at phantom of the opera for example they had these like crazy sets and they move around from these uh, great locations whereas this it's really the swamp the boat a little bit of cave and then you see the doctors in their lab at one point there's not too much to it and that's unfortunate for uh for this story the one thing that i i don't know if i just remember remembered it wrong or i'm thinking of something else but i i thought there was a little bit more of um romantic tension i guess you could say between uh, the guildman and the main character i just we I, I don't know what i'm where i'm getting maybe it's the shape of water i'm thinking of or i thought there was a little bit more to it now i'm not saying she full-blown water relationship with the guildman but i thought she was a little more conflicted than what we get in this movie so that was something that was kind of surprising on this rewatch but i liked it i just don't think it's one of the best universal monsters I was trying to put myself in the perspective of someone that would have watched this and not had a lot of experience with horror because a lot of like the scares quote unquote were so goofy and I hated the uh the Gilman's theme song the trumpets dun, dun, dun. oh my oh my god can we like tone it down a bit and I was just wondering like man like when there's so many unnecessary scenes of just the hand coming up around a corner or creeping up and they're like and then it fucking like just goes back in the water I'm like this must have freak people the fuck out <laughs> like they're probably losing their minds but from a 2023 perspective it's like all right i only need to see the hand maybe one more time i get it <laughs> and then the trumps come trumpets come like oh shit but i really really love the scene where the two scientists are going after him in the water with their spear guns that was a super fucking tight scene like man that i would love to see a behind the scenes even though that doesn't exist but like a making of for this film would have been spectacular so what do you guys think of the doctors, like the scientists in this story? I, I felt that it took me, I don't know, because they, they all look, a lot of them look similar, but I was like confused at first of who's who. It's not until a few of them died that I was like, okay, this is 
who's like the bad scientist versus the good scientist and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I didn't love their characters personally. I thought the captain and the woman were the two best characters other than the Gilman, of course. So how did you land on the scientists? Yeah, forgettable. I would agree. Like, obviously, there was that sort of like it was a love triangle, right? Like they both kind of obviously like liked K, although K seemed to levitate towards one more than the other. But yeah, I yeah, forgettable. Like I agree, K is probably the best human character in this, followed by the captain, Gilman, obviously being the favorite. But yeah, um, I, I I agree with uh, one of my favorite scenes though in the entire movie is when the two scientists go down into the water looking for the creature, and the creature kind of stalks them and ends up attacking and killing one of them. I love that scene. That's one of my favorite scenes. I thought the tension was great. You know, the creature kind of wrestling around with uh, the scuba diver and stuff like that. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. You know what I thought was kind of cheap, though? Is at the end when he he finally takes her into his little love cave, and he puts her on, like, the pedestal or some shit. I don't know. But then, like, there's a fight. I'm like, all right, cool. This looks like a William Shatner versus whatever space alien fight from Star Trek. They're going at it. And then the, the other dudes just show up with a gun. I'm like, how the fuck do they get in? And then they just, like, walk through, like, this little side entrance. I'm like, what? Like, it was so cool. Like, they had to go underwater and scuba gear and all that shit. And these fucking jokes just, like, walk through and start blasting. And they're like, no, don't shoot him. He's had enough. <laughs> he fucking just dies. I'm like, man, that was a little cheap. Because I really love the love cave, but it wasn't utilized that much. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. It wasn't, like, utilized enough. And it goes to Steve's point where, like, like, I, was there, like, a love tension between the creature and Kay? Or was he just kind of grabbing whoever the fuck he wanted? I, I, I thought he was he just horny. Her. Like, yeah. uh, I, I think his whole point was he wanted to mate. That's why he's killing the men off and, you know, yeah. kind of saving her and, like, oogling her. Because he could have easily killed her when she went swimming in the Amazon in a, the, like, black lagoon. So, so dumb. God, the amount of things that could have killed her in that lagoon is, like, immeasurable. But yeah. any everyone on the boat's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The, the whole time they were like, "Where's the woman at? We gotta right? make sure she's not hurting herself." I'm like, "Calm down, fucking dudes." 1950s men. Yeah, I, it wasn't like, from my perspective, like bad though. Like they were generally concerned with her safety, but like other films, you'd be like, "Get away from me!" Yeah, you can't. Have, oh, but I love to add to your point about the scientists all looking the same. They all sound the same too. Like, ah, what are we gonna do here? We gotta research that. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, so two little uh, observations that I made in this movie that kind of made me laugh. The first one is when the guy uh, gets injured by the by the creature but doesn't die, they wrap him like a mummy. It's like they didn't know how to treat him, so they just, let, let's just give him the works. You know, he's like full-on fucking mummy on the boat, which I thought was hilarious because I, I don't know why the hell they did that. I was just going to comment that uh, I bet the interior of that boat smells like complete shit because at one scene like first of all they haven't bathed in at least at least 18 days we know they're working trying to chip away at the rocks for eight days and they went down the lagoon so that that's the body odor part the the river is not going to smell pleasant with all the fucking top muck and all that shit and the creatures shitting everywhere and things like that and then they're fucking one guy's got a pipe and one guy's got a cigarette and they're all within like five feet of each other just chain smoking the interior of that boat is no place for a man to recover from his injuries that sucks uh so they make a big point during the film to uh, regulate like the pressure when the divers come back up. They, they mention it several times in the movie. They always like, every time they're like almost 
to the surface, but kind of hover there. They're like, oh, they're just regulating the pressure and everything. But that that whole thing just gets fucking dropped in the second half of the movie when they're clearly going super low into the uh, lagoon and coming up with no issues. I thought someone would die, like of essentially their lungs exploding or something. It, it was weird. It was like, why even make a point of it if now you're you're not going to do anything with it? A hundred percent agree. I was like, all right, this is like, they just kept like harping on that back and forth. I'm like, oh, there's going to be like a really cool scene where the guy gets spooked from the creature and he has to go up too fast. And he's like fucking brain cells are going to explode or something. Um, doesn't happen, which was disappointing. I was expecting it the whole movie. So yeah, it did kind of seem like a pointless plot line to keep going back and forth to. Yeah. I also thought it was questionable too. Like these scientists, one, we see them destroying a specimen by yanking it out of a rock and then next we see them in the in in the spirit of science just casually poisoning the entire ecosystem in the lagoon and they're swimming in it they're fiddling it with their hands i'm like we're not worried about killing ourselves either gentlemen but no they're making little bombs throwing them in the water they they go down they, they make sure they kill everything in that lagoon so yeah that was pretty ridiculous it was like the scientists in arachnophobia, just like gassing the entire yeah. fucking <laughs> ecosystem. We love science. Let's yeah. kill all these fucking animals. Didn't they say though just paralyze them? I mean, they did look dead though. When they, all the They're fish pretty dead, man. Yeah, I mean, they, they put like, them in fucking like they pinned them to boards and shit. So I, mean, yeah, I think they're dead. <laughs> Yeah, is that stuff that is that stuff like real? Is that a thing? I was like wondering that while watching the movie. I was like, I've never seen this stuff before. Is this just made up for the movie? I have can, no idea. Can this tell you, wrote and all or something. I thought he was yeah. going to throw out some dynamite, which is usually a common thing for these types of movies. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but then then they would have cool. they could have used the dynamite for that like twig that was holding the boat back <laughs> during the end sequence, which I it was so funny to me like. You seriously, that boat can't get through that fucking branch that's like uh, blocking the way. Like uh, underwater, it looked like a full tree, but yeah. there's no that, that tree could have easily that boat could have easily just ran through it and been fine. Yeah. This just in: rotenol kills fish not by removing oxygen from the water, but by inhibiting, or inhibiting sorry, oxygen transfer and cellular respiration. So those fucking fish are dead. These bastards. Not enough to kill the creature, though. Apparently, or Gilman. Not enough. No. Apparently, just enough it's to get him kind of fucked up. Do we know what happened? So I will fully admit I've never seen either of the sequels. So do we know? Like I assume he just survives the gunshot wounds somehow. And yeah, come- pr- probably. Um, I know one day we have to do the sequels. Uh, I know yeah. Katie for has been like asking us for a while, and I think it would be a cool maybe double feature to do both sequels in one shot, and that's also um. What's his face is uh, Clint Eastwood's first movie appearance ever was in the sequel. So it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, I got to mention, I have a Todd gripe oh, for this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Todd, Todd gripe for the movie is he gets fucking speared and the thing doesn't bleed. Like if you fucking, if the thing got speared twice and not blood doesn't come out of it once. I'm like, what kind of fucking fish is this? Yeah, it's, definitely. It's Gilman, bro. It's Gilman. Yeah. <laughs> he should be bleeding. Say. Like, it's <laughs> Gilman. See, he bleeds from the gunshots, but he doesn't bleed from the spear, like in the water. Like that would have looked cool too. Like had like cool. you seen like blood coming out of. They could have did that easily too, even in the fifties. Put a little pack like inside the suit or something. Yeah, I don't know about these sequels, but Creature Part Three: The Creature Walks Among Us looks fucking cool because Creature's wearing a T-shirt. So I'm like, cool, I'm in. 
Apparently, yeah. So they would they just like uh, try to put him in society? Like he has a job. He's like yeah. bringing. It's like Planet of the Apes, you know, when they bring him <laughs> back. They're just like walking around and trying to integrate themselves with that's, the humanity. That's literally what it is. Yeah, <laughs> scientists surgically transform the creature into an air breather, but be, <laughs> but being able to live on land is not enough to make him comfortable with humans. So he gets enraged and starts killing people. There you go. Yeah, we'll have to do a double feature of that uh, sometime in the new year. I think that'd be a fun episode to do. Yeah, that's about all I had for I, this movie, though. I don't know if you guys. Uh... I needed more, more like noises from the creature. Like he's pretty silent. You hear him like kind of scream twice. I feel it's, like it's had you heard trumpet, it you can't more, hear him yeah, I feel like it would have made it a little creepier had you heard him like underwater or something making noises or something. But I, I love the the camera work with the hand. I love like all of the sort of hand coming through the windows and stuff like that. I think that added to it. And I think this would have been terrifying for people in the fifties. They like, they hadn't really seen anything like this before. So I'm sure I could imagine like people screaming in the theater when he was getting close to people and stuff. So, yeah, I think it was, it was kind of, I can't think of anything similar to this prior um, with sort of like a fish man. No, I can't either. Not prior. No. No. Rate it. All right. We raiding this sucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so like I said, I had a lot of fun watching this. I enjoyed it, uh, I think. And man, I it's amazing what they can do these days. It's like up converting a movie from this to make it look almost like brand new, like HD and black and white. It's it's really, really impressive. And I think it still looks great. Like you, the, the suit looks amazing still to this day. Like even up converting it, I re- you know, you couldn't really see many faults with it that you could see from certain other movies. So big props to that. Like I said, it's a bit repetitive at times, and the runtime for it being a short movie, it it drags at, at, at times, unfortunately. So, but still, a really solid movie. I originally had it at a four out of five coming in, but after this rewatch, looking at it with a more critical eye, I'm going to knock it down to a three and a half out of five. I agree. Three and a half out of five for me. For everything you said, performances are solid. The setting is really cool, and the creature looks badass. So, three and a half out of five. You monsters for a classic like this. Uh, no, I agree. Three and a half out of five. <laughs> I think uh, it, it's good. Like, it's really good, but it's it's got issues for sure. And I think I enjoy some of the other ones. But actually, I think I I enjoyed uh, Phantom of the Opera last year more than I did this one. So uh, still very good, though, especially considering its age. All righty. Awesome. Well, I think that is going to be it for this week's episode, everyone. We hope you had a very happy Halloween. Next week, episode 303. Why is that special? Because we had such a busy October. We weren't able to fully celebrate our 300th episode. So we are going to do an episode celebration at 303, where we are going to be reviewing three movies from the old days. Three movies from the original podcast days before Steve joined us. We are going to be reviewing my pick of The Witch, Steve's pick of Cemetery Man, which, Steve, can you tell us why? Yeah, uh, that was my pick because that is my first appearance on this podcast, episode 11, which is now lost to time and my hard drive. So I thought it'd be cool to revisit it. You know, it's been, my God, like probably six years since that moment. So um, I've been eager to rewatch it and I'm pretty psyched about it. It'll be fun. Awesome. And Todd, tell us about your pick. Yeah, so we're going back to the jungle with Cannibal Holocaust. And the reason I picked it is I think it's 
a fantastic movie with a an even better score if you take the the animal violence out. So luckily there's copies online as well as the Blu-ray I have where you can cut all the animal shit out. It's unnecessary to the story either, and it's a shame that they did that. But I'm eager to revisit it without that stuff thrown in. Cannibal Holocaust. Alrighty, so there you go. There you have it, folks. Episode 303, a triple feature of The Witch, Cemetery Man, and Cannibal Holocaust. I don't think you can get three any more very different movies than those three. So that should be a very fun discussion next week. So go and check out all three of those movies. They should be streaming somewhere, all three, so you can find them pretty easily. Uh, In the meantime, if you want to keep up with the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, just search the Horror Squad podcast. You can also email us anytime, the Horror Squad podcast at gmail.com. But of course, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord. Just send us a DM or an email, and we will get you a special link to join our Discord. Completely free to join. Amazing community over there. We have Movie Club every month. We have a whole bunch of channels over there for you to explore. So go and join our Discord. Uh, you can also buy merch, uh, tpublic.com. Just search the Horror Squad podcast. It's also linked over on our Instagram, and you can buy some merch. We have a bunch of different designs over there. And if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. That would definitely help us the best. So I think that is about it, folks. We'll see you next week for our 300th episode celebration, episode 303. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Da, da.